All right, so we're going to get into God's word right now. If you have been tracking with us, if you've been following with us, uh, Genesis chapter 31 is where we are at. Can we say thank you to Pastor Manuel? He's, is he still back there? Yeah, he's back there, okay, on our, our camera switcher. Pastor Manuel led us through uh, several chapters of Genesis uh, last month. And uh, it was awesome. It was so fun, right? I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> Pastor Manuel, you were like so hilarious. And I really enjoyed it. I was, it was powerful word, great lessons. So let's give it up. Come on. Let's show him some love. So tonight we're in Genesis 31. And uh, I want to, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to go through the whole chapter. I'm going to tell you that right now. I want to mostly emphasize some, a powerful lesson that I, I found and that I thought was really cool um, that I want to share with you guys tonight. And we're still talking about Jacob's life. We'll be emphasizing his life and some of the things that occurred. Uh, and tonight, my emphasis is going to be on what it looks like to be obedient to the Lord and why it's so important for us to really submit ourselves to God, to the Lord, and be obedient to him and see God's grace. We see God's favor. Okay, everybody say God's grace. God's favor upon our lives, okay? And, and also his protection, okay? There's protection from the Lord when we are obedient to his word, okay? When we are Truly walking in faith, right? Walking in faith, trusting God's promises. So when God promises things to us, okay, when God promises to us, there is obedience that takes place in order for us to walk in that promise. There's faith that has to happen, that has to take place, right? In order for us to be obedient, we have to trust him. We have to have faith. Right? Believing that his promise is for me. Right? If I believe that, hey, this promise is for me. It's in his word. He said it. What does that take on my part? I need to step out in faith and obey, right, his word, his direction, his command. What's the opposite of that, right? The opposite of that, if I don't obey God, what comes? What comes next? There's no blessing. You know, what were some of the things that we just said, right? The lack of those things, the absence of favor, the absence of his, right, grace. His grace is only going to go so long. If I'm not being obedient, right, if I'm not being obedient, what else is going to come? Consequences, right? What ha haven't we all been kids? Weren't, weren't we all somebody's son or daughter at one point or another? And when we didn't obey, right, <laughs> oh, Sister Carla, she had a sound effect for us, right? If we didn't obey, nowadays we can't do that. I mean, I still do that. <laughs> but, you know, nowadays people don't believe in spankings, right? It's a whole different time. It's a different generation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I do too. I will tell you that I've, I've, I've laid back on them quite a bit. Um, I've laid back on it quite a bit. Um, because the Lord has been teaching me also, you know, and teaching us, teaching my wife and I how to deal with our boys. And, and you know, boys are wild. 
Boys are wild. But, okay, back to what I was saying. When we don't obey God's word, there's consequences, right? And we have to, unfortunately, and sometimes, you know, they hurt, but unfortunately, we have to live with those consequences sometimes for long, long periods. We have to suffer through those consequences. But I believe that they're reminders, right? To me, they're reminders, I do not want to go back there again. I do not want to go back there again, right? So let's get into chapter 31. And it says, now, Jacob heard the words. I brought my bigger print Bible today, by the way. (laughs) So I don't have to hold it like 10 feet away from my eyes. Now, Jacob heard, okay, Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons. They were talking about Jacob. You ever walked into a room and all of a sudden the conversation stopped? (laughs) Jacob heard the words. You know, they had tents back then, so it's not like they had walls. (laughs) You better watch it, right, if you're at a camping uh, retreat. (laughs) And he says that he hears them saying, Jacob has taken away All that was our father's. Look at their perspective. Do you remember the story from the last couple weeks? I know last week we had prayer night, but let's let's get our gears going, okay? Do you remember what happened? Laban was trying to trick him. He he, He was deceitful. He tricked him. He's Right? Do you remember that? He promised him one thing, but then he didn't fulfill the promises. And then he said, oh, you know what? You want some cattle? Okay, well, all the cattle that are born striped will be yours, thinking there ain't going to be no striped cattle, right? But what happened? The Lord was with Jacob, and every single one of those calves that came out was striped, right? He was trying to be slick. You guys, are we remembering the story now? Yes? Okay. But Laban's sons are looking at it as this guy has taken all of our father's money. If you want to put it in modern terms, all of our father's wealth, right? Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. And from what was our father's, he has acquired all his wealth. So they didn't see what God was doing for Jacob. They didn't see that God's favor was on Jacob. Are you guys tracking with me? Yeah? All right. Watch this now. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban. That means his face. And he noticed, okay, he notices that Jacob, I mean that Laban, doesn't look at him the same way as he used to. There's a difference in his demeanor, the way he's acting towards Jacob. He's not treating him the same. Haven't we all been at one point or another, right, uh, experienced that kind of um, separation, brokenness in a relationship with someone. You know, I'm reminded in the book of Romans, we just went through it. It's fresh in my head, and I really enjoyed that series. But I'm reminded that Paul teaches, and he says, do everything possible 
He says, if it's in your means, this is a little side note, okay? It's just a little side note here. Is that okay? So he says, do everything possible within your power. He puts it on us, the reader, the recipient. Everything possible within your power. Does he say, wait for them to come and ask for forgiveness? Does he say, wait for them to come and admit their wrongdoing? Admit that they were wrong and you were right? Does it say that? No, he says, do everything in whose power? My power, right? Your power. He says, do everything in your power to live at peace. Do you remember that? Romans chapter 12. I believe it was Romans chapter 12. But he says, do everything in your power to live at peace with one another. He doesn't say that things have to be perfect. He doesn't say, and even Jesus didn't say this. He doesn't say that you have to be, you know, buddy buddies and act like nothing's ever happened. He says, do everything in your, your power, in my power, Joe, to live at peace. What does that start with? And my, my, my first step is to immediately say, Lord, I forgive them. Even if I felt that they were wrong and I was right. Why do I have to be proud about it and hold on to something that really isn't going to help the situation? Do you hear what I'm saying? The Lord knows my heart. The Lord knows the situation. Does he say that we have to go prove and make sure everybody knows that you're right and they're wrong? No. Jesus said, love your enemies. Right? That's where Paul learns it from. He says, love your enemies. He doesn't say you have to like them. But he does say, pray for them. He does say, pray for them. So does that mean that we still have to be, you know, just acting as if nothing ever happened? All he says is that we have to do everything possible to extend forgiveness, number one. This is what I'm getting out of, you know, reading in between the lines. Extend forgiveness. Because that's the first thing that Jesus taught. Forgive. Forgive. Once we extend forgiveness, we're releasing from us, okay, chains that will keep us bound. They will keep you and I bound if we don't extend forgiveness. The moment you and I begin to extend forgiveness, and it's not a one-time thing. It's a process. We have to extend it. In that prayer that Jesus says, hey, pray for your enemies. Pray for those who have hurt you, right? It's a process. Lord, I want to forgive them again today. It's a new day, and I don't want these feelings to keep creeping up. I want to extend forgiveness. And the more you and I extend forgiveness, guess what God begins to do in your heart, in my heart? He begins to bring healing. He begins to heal the pain that's been caused, the dirty looks that have been given, the talking behind our back that we heard about. All of that stuff that was beginning to grow deep root and that Satan was starting to use to cause separation and division, guess what God begins to do? You know what that's called? There's two words that come to my mind. One of them is reconciliation and one of them is called restoration. And when God begins to reconcile what's been broken and separated, he begins to restore and he begins to make it new. He may not, 
He may not bring a newness to that friendship or that relationship, but he'll bring enough healing. L listen to what I'm saying. He'll bring enough healing for you to be able to be in the same room with them, say hi to them, say God bless you to them, and have nothing, no hard feelings. I'm telling you, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen God bring healing to lives when relationships have been broken. I've seen God restore relationships, friendships, marriages. I've seen it. I've seen it. And if I've seen it firsthand and I've seen God do a work, he can do it in all our lives. Right? So going back, I went there because of what Jacob is seeing here. It says, Jacob saw the countenance of Laban, and indeed it was not favorable towards him. As it was before. Verse 3. Then, this is cool. This is so cool. Watch this. Then the Lord said to Jacob. Okay, how can the Lord say anything to you and I? In what circumstance and what situation will God speak something to you and I? He does it when you and I are in a relationship with him. When you and I have intimacy with him. We will not hear God speak even if we're hearing, even if we're reading his word, if we're not in a relationship with him. We will read his word and ignore it. Somebody will come and tell us, hey, you need to be careful. But if there's no intimacy with your father, your heavenly father, if there's no intimacy between me and my heavenly father, and somebody comes and says, Pastor Joe, I think what you're doing right now is not okay. Pastor, I'll ignore it. But here it says that God said to Jacob. There was a connection already established there. And if you remember a couple chapters ago, chapter 28, remember when he laid down, put his head on a stone for a pillow? You remember that? And then later it says that God appeared to him. And made him a promise after he appeared to him. When he appeared to him, he says, hey, guess what? Your descendants are going to be like the dust of the earth. That's how great and how vast your descendants will become. My promise to you is that one day I will bring you back. Listen to what he said to him. You can go back and read it. Chapter 28 says, I will bring you back to your father's land. The land that I have given to you. So now he says, and the Lord said to Jacob, and Jacob was able to hear him and have a conversation with him because of the intimacy he had with him. So his ear, his heart was in tune to the voice of God. Jacob had motivation to stay in intimate relationship with God. Because he had seen God's favor in his life. And he had seen that every time he took steps of, of obedience, God would answer. God would provide. Every time God said, I will be with you, he saw God be with him. Every time someone tried to hurt him, he saw God protect and deliver him. Provide for him. Show him his favor. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that beautiful? So then... I have to ask us, what motivates you and I? 
You know what motivated him was having that intimacy with his creator. He really wanted that connection. And so I have to ask us, what motivates you and I today? What motivates you and I to come to church? What motivates you and I to do something good for someone? What is our motivation when we wake up in the morning? What is our motivation, you know, when we're trying to share the good news of the gospel with somebody? What is our motivation when we go to work? What is our motivation at all times during our daily walk, our daily life? What stirs us to change, to want to be different, to do things different, not be stuck in the same routine over and over and over? What's our motivation? Jacob had a powerful reason to want to be an intimate relationship with his father. And so that's, that's part of my encouragement tonight. Because he was obedient and because he saw that, there was like so much that he experienced from his father. And I want us to like say, hey, you know what, Lord, tonight, I want tonight to be the start of, of a deeper relationship with you. If you've never thought or if you've thought, oh, I'm, I'm good, Pastor. I, I, I read the word every day. Let me tell you, if, if we ever get to the point, if anyone, one of us gets to the point where we think we're there, we've made it, we're missing the mark. We really are. There is so much to God. And we try to keep him boxed up. We try to keep him, you know, corralled. Well, this is where I feel you fit, Lord, in this space right here. And God is saying, I got so much more for you. I have so much more for you. Let's keep reading. Then the Lord said to Jacob, watch this, return to the land of your fathers. So he's telling Jacob, hey, it's time now. Remember that promise I made you that I would take you back? To the land of your father, it's time. It's time. He was in a foreign land. He's taking him back to his roots. He's taking him back to his roots. And he's saying, I want you now to go back to the land of your father. And when he's saying to him, I want you to go back to the land of your father, there is a massive, major lesson to make sure we don't miss here. Going back to the land of your father, there's two words that are connected to the word father here, the patriarchs, and the two words, I mentioned them, are obedience and faith. They go hand in hand. If we look back at his father and his father's father, Abraham and Isaac, obedience and faith. Were they perfect? Okay, let me ask that question again. Were they perfect households? They were jacked up. You want to talk about, like, you know, homes today being messed up and, and you know, needing Jesus? <laughs> And lacking perfection, right? My home isn't perfect. My home is not perfect. I don't know if yours is. Right? But even so, 
when God promised and made his promises to the patriarchs, they walked in and they took steps of obedience and they took steps of faith. So he's saying to Jacob, as I take you back to your father's land, I am going to be with you. We're going to read that right now. But I want you to remember that what's connected to your father is obedience and faith. If we obey God and we obey his word, we're going to be exercising our faith. Our faith will grow. And God will provide. And no matter where you and I go, no matter where you step, no matter what you do, or no matter how huge of a giant you're facing, when you and I walk in obedience and we take those steps of faith, God says, I will be with you. God says, I will not let you down. God says, I will not forget about you. God says to you and I, trust me, walk with me, be obedient, and you watch me open up the windows of heaven over your life. And it says, then the Lord said to Jacob, right, that's where we're at, return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. There it is. Cool. So as we go into verse 4, I want to say, I wonder, I wonder, Okay, if it was difficult for Jacob, it's kind of weird to say this, and his wives, <laughs> I wonder if they felt bad at any point because of what Jacob was saying. Okay, <laughs> You're gonna, we're going to read right now in verse 4 and 5 and on, you know, how Jacob begins to tell them. And, and kind of, you know, he's kind of putting their dad out there like, hey, your dad is this, X, Y, and Z, right? And I wonder if at any point they felt like, Man, that's our dad. You know, it sounds like, it seems like they didn't because they were, like, ready to roll. They are like, let's get out of here. <laughs> let's get on the horses and get on out. We're with you, Jacob, which is awesome. But, you know, it's still their dad. It was still their father. So it says, verse 4, so Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field to his flock and said to them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not favorable toward me as before. But the God of my father has been with me. Okay? So he's, he's giving testimony. He's testifying, right? And he's letting them know, even though, even though things have not been favorable with him, things have not been, you know, cool. He was cheating me. He lied to me. You know, there was all these things that he did, Right? And that wasn't cool. But even so, he reminds them, God, the, gods of my, the God of my father was still with me. And he reminds them, God is with me. And I'm trusting him. And anytime, anytime, we're going to embark on a big journey. Anytime we're going to do something of massive, of great importance something that holds a lot of weight, right, that can change situations, it's not easy to start those journeys. It's not easy. They're difficult, and sometimes they hurt. Restoring relationships, it's not easy. When God calls us to start to do something different in a relationship, a marriage, with our parents, with whoever it is that relationships have been broken, Right? It's not easy. Those are some of the hardest, most difficult conversations we could ever have with somebody. 
if, if the other party is willing to have them. To sit down like mature adults, confess wrongdoing, right? Not judge, extend forgiveness. It's difficult. So it's good whenever we're going to face challenges to remind ourselves things have been hard, and that's what he's doing. He's telling them, man, things have been really hard for me. (laughs) He's not throwing a pity party either. He's just letting them know, hey, things are hard. Things were different, and now he's changed his attitude towards me. So not only was he doing all these things, he doesn't look at me the same way. I know that I'm not welcome here anymore. And I do believe that God is also reminding us, hey, in some situations, he allows, he allows for us to depart from certain people. But we don't, but listen, listen to me. We can't have the attitude, okay? Listen to me carefully because I don't want to be misunderstood. We can't have the attitude to just say whatever, you know. In Spanish, we used to word, use some other words to describe, you know, the see you later. We can't have the attitude of it doesn't matter because it does matter. And it's not so much that it's for them. It's really for the relationship that you have with your father and the example that God has called us, you and I, to live out. God can allow for some some of us to separate from certain friendships or to distance. Let me use the word better, distance ourselves. Okay? Okay. But I believe that God wants us, listen, I believe that God still expects and desires for you and I to learn how to extend forgiveness like I was saying earlier. For you and I to learn how to be, like he says, at all, in all means possible, on our part, to live in peace. And in order for us to live in peace, we can't just walk away. Do you hear me? We can't just walk away and let it be. We have to do what God calls us to do. Did he do everything correct in this story, in this passage? Probably not. Could he have done some things differently? Probably. Some things it says he wasn't even aware of. But he comes to his wives and he says, hey, your dad doesn't want me around anymore. It's time for us to go. He says to them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not favorable toward me as before. But the God of my father has been with me. And you know, and you know that with all my might, watch this, with all my might, I have served your father. That, to me, there is the attitude of Christ. Well, how so, Pastor Joe? This is Old Testament. When we look to the New Testament, and we look at the life of Christ and what he teaches and what we've learned from him was a servant attitude. He came to serve, not to be served. And he says, hey, I've done everything. So how many of us, okay, I'm going to end it with this one. I think, I, I think this is it right here. How many of us can say, how many of us can say when we have situations that arise that God says, I need you to be better in this situation? I need you to be a reflection of me in the situation. How many of us can say, I've done everything 
in my power, <laughs> okay, I've done everything in my power as it relates to me, right? Because that's what Paul said, do everything. You need to do everything and your part to be at peace. Now, if they choose differently, that's between them and God. Isn't that right? At that point, yes, hey, I came, I did my part. Lord, you know my heart. The rest is between them and God. And in, in Romans, in that same passage, he says, allow room for the vengeance of the Lord. Why are we trying to take that in our hands? Even here, Jacob didn't say, I'm going to go have my revenge. No. He said, hey, I just want you guys to know, and, and you know, he says, you guys have seen it firsthand. I did everything in my power, and I've served your father. I did everything he asked me to do and some. And so he went the extra mile. Like I said, he wasn't a perfect man. He didn't do things perfectly. But we can see some powerful lessons in this passage for us today that we can say, hey, Lord, your word, this is your word. We need to be humble and not hold on to the pride that sometimes we like to hold on to. I, it feels good to be right. It feels so good. It's so satisfying to this flesh to like hear somebody say, oh, you were right, I was wrong. Man, it's like, <laughs> you may be keeping it cool on the outside, but on the inside you're like, <laughs> right? You're having a party and God is saying, no, no, that's not what I want. Your heart's in the wrong place if that's, the, if that's what you're thinking, right? So as we, as we carefully consider God's word, I've asked the Lord, Lord, I never want to make decisions outside of, of your word, right? I always say, Lord, what does your word say about this? What does your word say about that? Because my way is very, it's like full of the flesh, <laughs> you know? And um, man, as a kid, as a kid, I remember I was inclined to foul mouth, like I was just like grossero. That's the word we use in Spanish, you know? And I used to just, it just tasted good to my mouth <laughs> to say all these words, you know? And, and I had to allow the Lord to deal with that. And my boys are very curious now. <laughs> and they're at that age where they hear stuff and they're like, what does that mean, Dad? Just, you know? <laughs> And they, and they have that tickle. I don't know if it's a boy thing. I don't know because I don't have girls. But they just have that little, like, cosquilla. That's a tickle, like, eh, that little itch, you know, that they want to experiment and use some of these words. And my wife and I are like, no, you know, that's not what we've been teaching you guys. And so I'm only saying that because I feel like when God, when we look at all the things that we are in charge of, that we are given stewardship over, okay, that we are given stewardship over. Some of those things are extremely valuable, and those things or those things are not things, but they're people, they're relationships, they're relationships, okay? Now, if you and I can say, Lord, I've done everything that I can to keep the peace or to mend this brokenness or to do what's right in your eyes and what you've called me to do, 
you know, the rest is in you, Lord, and it's on you. I'll put it in your hands. But I've done everything I can. I've done everything I can according to your word. And I'm going to walk on your promises, and I'm going to take a step of faith that you will provide healing for this situation. And God is reminding us tonight, and I believe he's reminding you and I, okay? He's reminding you and I that when we obey his word and we take steps of faith, he says, I will be with you. I will dwell with you. When he says to you and I, like, hey, just stay humble. Don't be prideful. Be obedient. Be obedient. I'll be with you. Trust me. I'll show you that I'm with you. But you have to, you have to take those steps. I will dwell with you. I will be with you. There's a very powerful passage in Isaiah that I had, I had overlooked. And you know what it says about us being humble? He says, I will dwell. He says, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. Isn't that powerful? That if you and I stay humble and are obedient to God's word, because we can't be obedient if we're not, you know, we, we have, there has to be humbleness there. But look at what it says. He says that he will dwell with you and I when we keep a humble heart. What does that look like? I don't always have to be right. I have to learn how to forgive. I don't have to wait for them to come and say, I'm sorry. And he gives us wisdom to let us know when it's time to say, hey, okay, it's time to move on. It's time to go. You did your part. Now let me do mine. Amen? Amen? All right. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for this great lesson, Lord, from Genesis 31 and how Jacob trusted you and walked in obedience. There's so much he could have held against Laban, Lord, and he chose to be faithful to you and obedient to you. And he saw that you were faithful to him. And so, Lord, we know you've been faithful to us, your people. You've never, ever left us. You've carried us when we needed to be carried. You've shown so much grace to us, Lord, when we've made mistakes. You've extended forgiveness, Lord, in a way that none of us could ever match. By sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. To erase the mistakes, the sins, all the evil that's in our hearts. And to provide a way to be restored and reconciled back to a relationship with you. And it's that intimacy tonight that I pray we all seek after, Lord. That we would all strive for, hunger for, thirst for. An intimate relationship with you. That we would hear your voice. That we would read your word, Lord, and we would find wisdom and guidance, direction, healing. That it would restore our hearts and our minds to behave and to act differently according to what you desire. Lord, I thank you for your word tonight. And I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for this privilege to be here with your people in your house to gather to worship you. And now, Lord, we pray for a blessing over our families as we go our separate ways to our separate homes. 
I pray a mighty blessing over all of us, Lord, that you would cover us, that you would protect us, and that you would go with us as we leave your house. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you, church.